It's 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 basically both equally. You know, it's it's not one more than the other. Yeah. It's it's both practical and judicial. Well, hi there. Welcome to Burpocalypse Now, a podcast dedicated to ending, if not preventing, the burpocalypse in which we're currently living. I'm Sean, and we're recording in the heart of beautiful Hampshire County in western Massachusetts, here in the Fortress of Seanitude. We don't have much to recap from the last podcast, so I'm just going to run over a couple things again. Uh, what is the burpocalypse, you might be asking? The Apocalypse is the era in human history where regressive social politics, toxic masculinity, fervent anti-intellectualism, and unfettered capitalism pose significant real-world threat to the continuation of humankind, which is to say what's going on right now. Um, but I am uniquely qualified to change the future. This being a quote from my friend, Dr. Reese Stevens, who's a doctor of both medical and radio engineering. And he found a way to rig a ham radio to broadcast back 20 years ago. And at this point, what's probably going to happen is that uh, he's going to inform me to do something. And I'll go back and prevent Trump from being president, if not several hundred steps earlier. So who knows? But according to him, I'm the guy who has to do it. So uh, I brought along a couple people to help me with it. We have my co-pilot, my very, very good friend, Courtney. Hello. And we also have producer Evan, who's not allowed to talk. He's waving, though. He's waving. Thank though. you. He's uh, waving. No note, waving. note, he's waving. <laughs> um, yeah. And so today, um, in terms of the, in terms of the apocalypse, we're going to talk about what might be the genesis of it, uh, Woodstock 99. Now, um, a few things about Woodstock 99. Personally, I was, I was 17 years old at the time. Um, it was uh, broadcast on MTV and simulcast on the radio <laughs> as well. Um, so I was pretty much listening to it all weekend when I wasn't working shifts bagging groceries. I was psyched for it because I remember being thinking Woodstock 94 was really cool, but that I was still way too young for it to actually mean anything to me, if that makes any sense. Makes plenty of sense. Woodstock 99 was the second sequel to the original festival for the festival's 30th anniversary. But, of course, unlike the 94 version, no one from the, none of the acts from the original festival appeared in the lineup. Now, what wound up happening in the festival, I think, um, became the first platform for the sorts of white riots that have been happening after sports playoff wins or losses or um, pumpkin fest riots, such as the one at Keene State. Um, so it's just, it's not, I'm back and forth between this being the beginning of the apocalypse and the terms that it's like the epicenter of it, or yeah. if this just shed a spotlight on something that already existed and people just chose not to pay attention to. As this is America, and that's what we do. Um, we can pay attention for short amounts of time. Yeah, yeah, like short amounts of time, as long as there's like a halftime show. And boobs. And boobs. Well, that's just, that's just reasonable. <laughs> but the thing with Woodstock 99, and perhaps the reason that we are where we are right now, is... Because, because of Fred Durst. Well, largely. <laughs> mean, arguably, arguably Fred Durst. Not just Fred Durst. But it's more so that we saw what happened at Woodstock 99, and we didn't move away from what would need to be done to make sure stuff like that wouldn't happen again. So it just sort of happened. We're like, ooh, all right, well, here comes the next decade. 
I just want to say, as uh, both a female and a fan of musical art, I'm horrified by Witchstock 99 and everything that it stood for. Yeah. It's it's pretty abhorrent. It's uh, one of those things where it's... Well, like the Wikipedia article, which we're going to go over in a little bit. Yay. Like, it's this... It's like... The first paragraph or so describes like what they really wanted the festival to be, and I'm like, oh, actually, that sounds kind of cool. And I'm like, so like, was it really that? Yes, it was that bad. Yes. We can't have ni- nice things in 1999. We can't have nice things because of what happened in 1999. Says this podcast. Remember that time when Prince told us to party like it was 1999? I don't think he meant that. I don't think he meant Woodstock 99 way. You mean he said it in 1982? I think when he said it in 82, he probably did not have Woodstock 99 in mind at all. Um, agree, Although... to, agree to disagree. <laughs> you know, like, Fair. you know, you can't, like, you, like, you, know, you didn't know what was going on in Prince's head. Like, How do you know that I don't know? <laughs> you're <Okay>. not. You're <laughs> not Apollonia. How many more times am I going to have to tell you that you're not Apollonia? Damn it. But yeah, so uh, Woodstock 99, um, probably the most direct parallel would be Altamont. The new age of the 90s seemed to be dawning where it was like everything was changing, sort of moving forward socially, but also moving forward technologically. And just everything kind of seemed like it was moving in a overwhelmingly positive direction. Of course, it wasn't. And of course, that was in large part because we were ignoring what would come. And... So for things like Lollapalooza and even like Woodstock 94, they kind of stand as the original Woodstock, whereas where Altamont and the Manson murders put a period on the 60s, I think pretty much everything that was good about the 90s kind of was done up, like done away with after Woodstock 99 had happened. Which, when we had Lilith Fair, that we used to have nice things in the nineties. We did, but I think Snap yeah, but bracelets. I believe, but I believe like Lilith Fair was before Woodstock '99. I know that's what I'm saying, and we used to at one time in the nineties, things were better, and we had Lilith Fair, and Sarah McLaughlin wasn't making us feel terrible about dead animals, and she was she was just writing songs about mysteries. Those were the glory days. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to Sarah McLaughlin's building mysteries and. Um, remembering you. Come out at night. <laughs> well, it's like, is I will remember you. Like, was that a hit? Oh, I mean, like, God. is that one of like the animal snuff film songs? It's Angel. Oh, that's In the right. Arms of the angel. And yeah, then, that like, puppies. Not very good to begin and with. And then like me crying. <laughs> I can't even cry. I'm just like I'm just too traumatized by how horrible these animals. And I'd be like, it's well, that's the point. Upsetting. And I'm like, it's not doing anything. Like, I still can't have pets on my lease. <laughs> Jesus. Damn it, Sarah. Why did you think of that? So basically, if you want an even more heavy-handed parallel, Woodstock 99 happened in Rome, New York, which could arguably be the point where America took the turn... This is, I think I know where this is going. ...toward the fall of its empire. <laughs> but yeah, I think, aside from the... Uh, how can I put this? Fire and rape... Which is, which is, of course, James Taylor's least appealing album, I would say. Um, do, you mind, can I, do you mind if I use the wise words of Wikipedia when I say, Woodstock 99 was portrayed by the media as being marred by violence, rape, and fires. 
That's that's its reputation. Well, I believe actually, it's like a really, really bad Courtney. Review. You need Courtney. You need to read the full sentence to get the whole effect, I'm which sorry. is unlike the previous two incarnations of Woodstock. Woodstock '99 was portrayed by the media as being marred by rape, violence, violence and, and fires. And I love that sentence. That's I truly love that sentence because it's like, you know, I don't think anybody was like thought the first Snaps two festivals to the creator of this wikipedia article <laughs> so that'd be wilson wikipedia the third who writes and edits all the articles on the wikipedia page but yeah so i mean aside from the uh fires and horror um woodstock 99 is also sort of the perhaps flashpoint of kind of hyper capitalization and sort of putting a dollar sign on everything and making people exist in sort of a vacuum where they would only be able to spend money on the things inside the venue, what such is the case of Woodstock 99 in the sense that uh, they had bottles of water for four bucks. I did the uh, adjustment for inflation. Yeah. Oh my God. And that would be six bucks now. And basically you had to go in there being just absolutely loaded or you had to go off site in order to get food and i think there is sort of a prevailing theme with that if you go to events or theme parks and stuff now we're just we're just everything is overpriced everything is monetized and i think the notion that that was part of having a good time came from woodstock 99 Maybe not. Still, I still can't believe that they would allow people to spend an entire weekend camping somewhere and not let them bring water in. Like it's not just a concert for a few hours. This is multiple days. Yeah. And you can't bring water, and you're camping. I've literally never even heard of such a thing. Thankfully, that doesn't. It's never happened to any of the festivals I've been to. I've brought massive amounts of water and needed it because, again, it's hot out, and you're camping, and you're outside for days at a time. You need water. Yeah. <laughs> like it's that's insane. Yeah. Did, did people die? Um, technically, no one died on site, but let me yeah, pull up the Wikipedia Yeah, because they were taken to the page. hospital before they died. Um, I bet. I mean, people die now at festivals, like big ones. Let's Camp see. <laughs> Don't edit the part where I talk trash about Campusco. <laughs> leave that in. I want the world. I to think know. you should leave that in. Lee, I want the world to know my feelings. So yeah, pretty much. Despite all the aftermath and, you know, the people who maybe would rather have been left for dead, despite six people being injured, there were no recorded deaths at the concert site. However, one individual, David DeRosia, collapsed in the mosh pit during the Metallica performance. Concert staff initially tried to treat his symptoms, which were seizures, and what doctors suspected to be brought on by a drug overdose. DeRosia was transplanted to the Air Force Base Medical Center and was then airflint airlifted not airflinted oh wow but he was he was going to be airflinted to university hospital in syracuse a little more than an hour later he collapsed um when he collapsed derosia's body was body temperature was 107 degrees following afternoon he was in a coma and a doctor diagnosed him with hypothermia probably secondary to heat stroke which i learned Hmm. that you can get hypothermia from a heat stroke you know what heat stroke is caused by dehydration and point prove it someone did die because they weren't allowed to bring water in i mean well i mean well and because they did probably a lot of drugs he was in a coma for another day but they died the next day after that coma rip 
basically it was sort of a you know a combination of drugs previous existing medical conditions and that sort of thing which is to say that's actually really impressive because Woodstock 99 pretty much devolved into a you it know is. tightly contained riot that you know I'm actually really surprised more people didn't get injured or dead yeah so that's good silver lining I suppose the festivals I go to there's like hippies and they're, they're gathered around the campfire and they're banging on drums and shit like no one's starting fires and like fighting in the mud that's really weird we don't condone the use of drugs on the show no like don't do the kind of drugs that kill that guy yeah definitely don't um there's a few drugs that you shouldn't do so you know like heat and having a heart condition thanks but yeah, so uh, Woodstock 99 uh, was held in Rome, New York, uh, 200 miles away from the original event. MTV, as I said, covered the concert and it was uh, simulcast on radio. You could watch the entire weekend on pay-per-view. And uh, they did and like they did wind up releasing a soundtrack record, which I remember kind of being like a really surreal moment because it's like the soundtrack record obviously didn't come out until after the festival. I have it. Yeah, I had it. I did too. I'm trying to all remember right. if I had any, I kind of fit, so at first of all, I was only 14, I think, when this festival happened, or, yeah, 14, and uh, I don't know if I really had any understanding of how bad it was at that time. I, yeah. I bet you I still was banned from watching TV. My mom, like, I wasn't allowed to watch MTV in my house when I was younger, so yeah. my guess is I probably didn't watch any of the footage, so I feel like I had the um, soundtrack album and didn't understand, like, really... Yeah. Like, the implications of how badly the festival had gone. Like, I do remember... I think I knew about the fires, but also... So, basically, I also didn't have the context of understanding, like, this isn't normally what happens at a music festival. Like, I was like, oh, maybe people just riot because they're on drugs and they do crazy stuff at music festivals. But, like, no, that... It was really bad. Yeah. Yikes. I mean, I've seen people... At bigger festivals, I've seen people, like, almost get into a fight, and it made me uncomfortable, but, like, I've never actually seen anybody brawling at a music festival it seems really weird like usually people are kind of hippies well yeah but you're also going to like hippie festivals i mean i just festivals are kind of a hippie thing though in general because it's like literally spending days listening to music and and being outside yeah you kind of have to be a little bit hippie-ish i think mostly i mean there are festivals that aren't hippie-ish but i think like that that hippies are at festivals not do you know what i mean yeah that checks i don't know but then there's like i mean i think that uh Insane Clown Posse has a festival, don't they? Yeah. They so do. I doubt that's a hippie fest. And Gathering of the Jugglers. And speaking of them, uh, they were at Woodstock 99. What a nice segue. Yeah. <laughs> it's an excellent segue. Um, so basically, I, I have... I going to make it... Okay. Evan, do you even know what... Evan is, has gotten up from his produ- producer chair. <laughs> He's riding his... an air segue. Yeah. For just yeah, yeah. some reason. It fell over. <laughs> Damn it. It fell over. It did. <laughs> wow, it, made a Wait, loud, like, it really made a loud noise. Does a Segway have a kickstand? I think they just bounce. They self-bounce. <laughs> uh, why did I ask you a question? Is the Segway responsible for the propocalypse? It might be. It might be. It very well might be. I think that's funny. All right, so anyway... Edit point. Boom. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, a, bun- uh, a few of the bands that were 
most notably headlining the festival were Corn, Limp Biscuit, Red Hot Chili Peppers, also guys like George Clinton and James Brown, um, Alanis Morissette, Woo! Collective Soul, and then of course uh, other guys like Seven Dust, Rage Against the Machine, and Kid Rock. And what strikes me about that list of bands that I just gave is how many of them are still relevant. Like it's, ah, uh, yeah, like James Brown. Who's ever heard of that guy? Well, no, like not like the good ones. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. And then, of course, <laughs> and then, of course, we have the bands that I was just like, wait, really? And among them are G-Love and Special Sauce. Cheryl Crow was there, as was Guster. Nice. Uh, Counting Crows were there, which I just, uh, uh, Jewel was there, as were uh, Metallica and Megadeth, which I completely forgot about, and kind of almost even with... Corn and Limp Biscuit there kind of feels like it's going against the grain of the festival. And my personal favorite, Creed featuring Robbie Krieger of The Doors. So Creed did a performance with Robbie Krieger. Creed Bratton? Edit point. <laughs> no, you can't take that out. Yeah, I don't know. No. <laughs> anyway... Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to say that that's got to be the most 90s lineup. It's a, yeah, heard. it's like a pretty <laughs> 90s lineup, which is, which is, which is weird because there was another festival in the 90s commemorating the exact same thing, but that lineup was like, oh yeah, 90s exist, but then all this other crap did too. And just, and just probably goes back to the fact that they didn't have any original acts that were at the original festival on this lineup, which is just like. Sad. It's sad, but it's just like, yeah, this is just a fucking festival then. Yeah, and what made it Woodstock? Yeah. So it's... It wasn't even in the same town. <laughs> no. It's like, like, what made it Woodstock at all? Well, we, we, we've branded it that. It's Woodstock, all right. That is what all those guys sounded like. I heard them. <laughs> I yeah? was there. I was in the meetings. You were no. You said you were fourteen. I was. I was a whiz kid. You weren't allowed to go to meetings. Wonder. I, people keep using the word wonderkin. I don't know what that means. Meaning you were not one of them. Apparently, That's, I'm wondering what you mean. Oof. But yeah, Creed and Robbie Krieger. That is the kind of environment we were in. So from there, uh, the problems started to mount. Is in that we discussed earlier. Um, Pretty much everything had a price tag on it and even basic commodities. It took place at a site that was probably like the most cruelly named Air Force Base ever. Mm -hmm. Griffiths Air Force Base. Griffiths. Not Griffiths. Griffiths. Not Griffiths. Not a thing. And it's a super fun site, apparently. And so basically, because it was set on an Air Force Base, there wasn't any shade from the trees. So... It got unrealistically hot. People had to pay for water. Um, There were the, like, in addition to not anticipating how much people would like drinking water for free, they also didn't anticipate how much people would need to relieve themselves and didn't order enough facilities. So basically, it was just this big, sweaty, shit-filled, just... Sounds like the worst festival ever. Yeah, it me. I mean, it just it's just. And then add a bunch of like angry white person music to that. 
And I'm not really surprised that things got out of control. Well, I mean, it's not so much angry white person music as it is just like ang- like stupid uh, angry biscuit, white person. Limp well, Biscuit and Rage Against the Machine are not angry white people music. Well, yeah, but... Point, counterpoint. My point is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> My counterpoint would be that, you know... Kid Rock? Yeah, but that's like a specific kind of angry white boy music. Shh, I said white person. You're not. You're making turning this into gender thing now. But yeah. it is white people music for sure. I mean, yeah. and it's pretty. And I think it's kind of angry. I don't know. Like Limp Bizkit to me. Well, no, like, it is angry, but it's not. You I know, mean, it was during Limp Bizkit that the girl blatantly got gang raped. Yes, but what I'm saying is like it's Whoops. not. Yeah, that's. <laughs> Whoopsie. Um, but what I mean, like what like I mean, openly, what I'm saying like is that there's people. a lot of angry white boy music that's not as stupid as this business. So I think if you say, if you had like a Cannibal Corpse or Morbid Angel or something like that, you wouldn't have had the same instance. But this is like this is I'm talking primo about mainstream. There's like knucklehead this is mainstream angry white person music. Like these people were already overtired, hot, like dehydrated. And then they were like going to and, and listening to angry music at night. Like if you're already in a, if you're agitated and yeah. you listen to angry music, you're gonna probably it makes sense that people would riot. But I'm not saying that anybody that likes angry music is prone to rioting. I'm just saying that all of those conditions together, I'm not surprised people were rioting. Yeah, because people do. I mean, people. I've seen people listening to angry music and get agitated in the crowd and get like worked up. Like they, you start to internalize the music. I think. You don't think so at all. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, like, yes and no. Well, I mean, like, I think it's something I mean, what are mosh pits? I, I don't have any issues with people that like angry music. If there's... As long as you're a nice person, you can like any music you want. The problem is, like I said, during Limp Bizkit, a girl got brutally and, like, openly gang raped by a bunch of angry men. <laughs> That's what I know happened. Yeah. That sucks. But you can't really blame the band for that. The post- who you can blame, who the- you who you can blame, is the band's leader, Fred Durst. The post story includes one disturbing eyewitness report of a body surfing woman pulled down into the crown and gang raped during Limp Bizkit set. There was there clearly wasn't anything I could do. <laughs> the post cons- reported counselor David Schneider is saying, "They're big brawny people, and it seemed like most of them around them were cheering them on." <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. But I'm not, I don't blame Fred Durst, but I'm, again, I'm saying, like, they weren't listening to Joni Mitchell. <laughs> like, if they were listening to calming music, maybe they wouldn't have been quite so agitated. I don't know. I can't answer that. I personally, I, I guess, I disagree. Like, I do internalize music. So if I'm listening to something that sounds really angry, like, I could totally see if I was already in a bad mood, it making me more agitated and upset. Versus, like, if I'm upset about something or stressed, I'm more prone to, like, put on, like, iron and wine or something because it makes me, like, calm down. Yeah. But, like, you basically you're adding a bunch of stimulus on top of another. And I think, like, I, def- I definitely think it's related. I think the kind of people that would go and see a lot of those bands are the kind of people that would riot and start fires. <laughs> well, yeah, but... But that kind of, again, like, speaks to the point that I was making where it's, like, that's the kind of fan base of guys who would right who were just like knuckleheads so it's like so it's so i mean it is different from the original woodstocks but i'm i don't i just want to say again for the record i do not think that the music made people violent i but i think that based on a lot of other conditions that they were going like that they were being subjected to 
as well as the kind of person that's prone to listening to this music, I think is more prone to like setting a fire or fighting with someone in a mud pit. <laughs> like yeah. they just are like a kid rock fan. No offense. Sorry, kid rock fans. But like that guy might start a fire. I'm not surprised. Yeah. There are festivals that are dedicated to heavy music. Like even like even something like ICP's festival, that just bastion of just glory and etc. That really isn't marred by violence. No, no, I totally agree. And yeah, that and so I mean, it's just for a long time. Yeah, and I mean, like there are a lot of. If you were going to have a festival where where like Joni Mitchell's playing like a nine p.m. slot, you're not going to have people who would riot, but you're also not going to have people who would put up with paying four bucks a bottle of, for mm-hmm. like a bottle of water, for you know being surrounded yeah. by four hundred thousand people's excrement, you know. So it's just. I just yeah, it does seem like. I I basically feel it's like a perfect storm situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I think. I'm not saying it helped. I think but. that like you get a bunch of people and they're already really hot, tired, hungry, and you know. Well, here underslept, well, and then you like put them all in a big crowd and like put angry music at them. <laughs> well, here is where I'm gonna try and get back on the road of what we were talking about. Mm. Um, now, I mean, like here's where I would say that Fred Durst deserves a little more blame than maybe it would seem um because like you know like during his set he had multiple opportunities to sort of calm people down or just say like chill out and and i believe just sort of being up on stage and kind of having his ego stroked like that he just kind of went into aggro produce mode and and it was i believe yeah like um uh during break stuff there just the song is called break, break stuff. stuff yeah it's called break stuff um oh the crowd <laughs> but yeah but that's not yeah but that's not like yeah but that's not heavy music's fault that's just dumb just like he didn't do anything to like stop the crowd um from getting like over the top like you know like, even when he was trying quoted here he said people are getting hurt don't let anybody get hurt but i don't think you should mellow out that's what atlantis morissette had you motherfuckers do if someone falls down pick them up so it's like yeah that's like right there i'm like yeah don't don't give this guy a pass like you know i mean like in terms I, of, i am not um prepared to give fred Durst a pass for anything notorious <laughs> fred durst apologist courtney parker he, didn't he isn't there an album like called like starfish hot dogs what is it called i chocolate? believe it's called chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water yep yeah which oh god, god. and admittedly i liked limp biscuit at the time 20 years ago i dug limp biscuit but even then i was kind of like softening on them because they put out their second record which is super commercial i was never into it my sister liked limp biscuit though weirdly so I heard a yeah. lot of it in my house. And was, yeah, but, but it's I, was, just, I didn't like the angry white person music growing up. Well, yeah, you weren't really an angry white person. Or if you were, you Some had Some of those different... things I was. <laughs> but not all. Courtney was really <laughs> angry, but she was Cambodian. <laughs> and it was like, Whoa. wait, what? This is just confusing. So you're like, all right, hang on. <laughs> Dole's older. Well, no, I'm a reverse Dole's Now I'm really angry and white. Probably, probably there it's a direct correlation. <laughs> so speaking of angry and white 
In contrast, partway through the song, the song being Break Stuff, Dirks encouraged the crowd to become angry. Durst later stated in an interview, I didn't see anybody getting hurt. You don't see that. When you're looking out in a sea of people and the stage is 20 feet in the area performing and you feel it and you're just feeling the music, how do you expect us to see something bad going on? And whatever. Primus member Les Claypool told the San Francisco Examiner, Woodstock was just Durst being Durst. His attitude is no press is bad press. So he brings it on himself. He wallows in it. Still, he's a great guy. And I just, I love that quote. But, but it's just, yeah, so it's just, I think a lot of it could be taken back to Durst basically inciting riots. And sort of, and it's not even so much lawlessness as it is just, yeah, just primal survival of the fittest bullshit, which is, which is why it wound up devolving into, you know, gang rape. And so it's just if there is still a narrative of us going through the festival, things eventually devolved from there where conditions got worse. People got more angry. And then during red hot chili peppers and Megadeth closed out the festival, Megadeth were on the smaller stage, red hot chili peppers were on the bigger one. And at the end of, and during the end of their concert, um, anti-gun group started handing out candles for candlelight vigil and lighters Mm. and people, (laughs) That is so ironic. The candles were given to them for a vigil. Yeah. For and a... they used them to set things on fire. Yes. And they used them to spark mass violence that needed to, I yeah, have a shit ton of state troopers come in. Um, and, yeah, basically started two large fires during the Chili Peppers set. Um, the festival's... Uh, one of the festival runners came out and just told everybody to just chill out. Like, they were saying, pe- like, you know, like, one of the towers was on fire. Um, and You guys really need to chill out. Yeah. You just, like, <laughs> you, 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 now, I mean, like, we're going to let the Red Hot Chili Peppers come back out. But you guys need to just calm down. Okay? Yeah. And so, I mean, after he did that, he, like, sulked off stage. And they came back and apparently played... Sir Psycho Sexy, which is a weird ten minute like song off like off like side B of Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Just like not even like anything close to a hit. And then they played a cover of Jimi Hendrix's Fire to close out the set. Oh god. Which what? And I, is everyone just feeding into the douchebaggery? Like, everyone's this one, like, it's cool, this, violence is cool. Well, this one I actually buy, I mean like this one I actually buy Anthony Kiedis's um, explanation where it's like Jimi Hendrix's sister approached the band and asked them to play the song as a tribute to her brother 30 years after he played at the festival. Oh. It's just they nah. they were like, ah, well, like before we leave, we have to play this one song. <laughs> and just no one in that band had forethought. To be fair, they probably were all naked at the time. <sighs> as this is Chili Peppers. Oh yeah, they did used to do that, right? They did, and I do they do it anymore? Still, well, one of them does, right? The drummer isn't the drummer always still naked? Well, yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I'm just jazz sketching. I don't know. So it was like if you went to like a Chili Peppers concert in like the late '90s, which I did, they were just like, yeah, like I saw. Chili Peppers, Foo Fighters, the Mullen Center, and Amherst. It was amazing. Were and you like there? Anthony Kiedis came out. Evan was there. Producer Evan was there, apparently. And so he can totally uh, vouch for this. Were you 12? Were you actually 12? 14. <laughs> <laughs> he looked exactly the same. You can't age condescend to Evan. <laughs> he wasn't. Oh, I'm sorry. 
They're slightly older than him. I think you were actually younger than him at this point. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. <laughs> it doesn't, but it was. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, like, Anthony Kiedis comes out and he just goes... Was he naked? I'm a scat yeah. man! Take his shirt off later. Can I take my shirt off? Oh my god. And we did all like wave our shirts around at one point. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was actually like, I mean, I actually had a really good time at that show. <laughs> Sounds like not a bad show. Yeah, no. But, um, so in terms of Woodstock 99, just they brought in like state troopers and such and just broke up the festival. And, and I mean, like, I remember like kind of like, I, I don't think I grasped the gravity of what really happened either, because I was like, what, they just kind of rioted, and it's, you know, it's angry white people. Like, what else? what we do. Yeah. Like, even back then, it's like, no, they're just stupid idiots. And then, like, once you hear more about it, you're like, Jesus Christ. So it's, it just was this, it's this sort of reflection of, like, what the original Woodstock was about, and kind of made you question if there was even anything authentic beneath that, because... What became a Woodstock in the 30 years after it happened was just the guys coming back and cashing in on it at, like, literally every possible opportunity. And, and like, when they did it the first time, it was, a you know, it was successful. It was, yeah. you know, maybe kind of bloodless in some ways, but whatever. Peace and love. But then, like, when they came back to do it again, it was just... It was just crassly commercialized. It was just everything that had been good about it had been taken out, packaged, and, you know, angrily shoved in people's faces. So it's just, so it was just this kind of moment where I, maybe even 17-year-old me, kind of felt like that, like that I could live at the same time as that kind of, you know, sort of freewheeling, you know, crazy creative time was just way gone because it was just new metal dickheads 99 was who was the president was uh clinton, clinton? yeah yeah, it was, yeah that was still clinton that's interesting yeah still clinton still clinton so far the only clinton president William J. Clinton. <laughs> still <laughs> call me still clinton all right <laughs> still <laughs> There's a reason that you don't have a mic. Like Alright, so all right, so two more quick things before we go. Um I have a now, so in terms of Woodstock ninety-nine, how would it, I go about preventing that? Seventeen year old Sean, what should you do to prevent the apocalypse at Woodstock ninety nine? I mean, if we go back to the idea that basically Fred Durst might be responsible for the whole thing. Maybe how can you just keep prevent Fred Durst from going to the festival? Well, I mean, Fred I don't Durst, want to kill him or anything. Just like kidnap no. him or something. Like there's just yeah, like there's just something. Like I know way too much about Fred Durst because again, I like Limp Bizkit, so I actually read into him and still liked his band afterward for like wow. a year. Wow. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, God, what the hell's wrong with me? Um, but like he was in the army at one point. And I think it was just he landed in music as something he was just bouncing back and forth between lives and stuff. So, like, I think the most realistic option would be to, like, find him in Florida and, like, put him in, like, a six-foot box and, like, ship him to, like, deep, deep China. <laughs> like, just, like, the, just, like, kind of, like, China, like, right by Siberia, where just, like, nobody who lives there wants to be there. Did, did Fred Durst date Tara Reid? 
Probably. Because is there like a could you get set up like a trap where like Tara's there and like like then a box falls on him? You know. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, it's and and then they they get he gets trapped with Tara Reed in the box and then he doesn't even want to come out because because Tara Reed. Yeah, because it's Tara Reed. Well, it's well. I mean, like, well, I mean, like, I assume like the Tara Reed trap was like incongruence with shipping him to just just deep. Get, China. Once you get him in the box, straight yeah. to China with him. Yeah. All right. Well, you can make the joke. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I could afford next day shipping back then. Yeah. But did they even have next day shipping back then? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I, know. I don't remember the shipping practices. We gotta of get. <laughs> Shut up, Evan. Oh my god. I was about to ask Evan to see if he wanted to do some like, you know, research while we're doing this, you know, like in the future, but I don't trust you with that. I just flat out do not trust you. So yeah. Um so okay, so we have um put Fred Durst um in a box with Tara Reed and send them to deep China. That's actually that like that's actually pretty good. That's a good one. Um, realistically, I said no, nah, no, nah, no. Nah, screw that. I don't even want anything realistic. I want the <laughs> most effective, even if it doesn't seem realistic. Again, seventeen-year-old Sean, Donald Trump is president. Everything is real now. Um, or like, uh, there's also like more like they're easier, more logical things like. Uh, give people water at the festival or like make sure that there was uh, how do you be how you as teenage Sean how could you talk to someone and let them know like hey uh, you're not going to have enough porta potties <laughs> well I'm just trying to think like how how do we keep people from getting to the point where they're so mad that they start gang raping people and, and setting fires so maybe if they if they were had water um, also and and there wasn't shit everywhere they might not be so mad Right? I mean, I guess. I mean, like, well, I mean, I figure, like, maybe I could stand outside the festival with, like, a sandwich sign saying, like, you're going to pay too much money for water and everything's going to be covered in shit. But oh, then, you could just do that. Like, yeah, yeah, but I'm kind of afraid that people would be like, not. yeah, buddy, I get it. Yeah, I'm there too. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Friggin' late 90s hippie? What's your problem? <laughs> well, all right, so I'm thinking, as, as someone who is me, um, realistically, I think the best way to handle this in a way that I could definitely handle it would be to get an 18 wheeler, fill it with like fill a tank with water and then just crash through the wall of the campgrounds and run away. Just I'm, deliver a bunch of water. Yeah. And then leave. Yep. And then leave so that they can't catch Hopefully me. Hopefully you don't like crash in any people. We don't want it. We don't want to be responsible for any deaths since there was we, we've learned only one that's a pretty good low number we'd like to keep it there so you have to find a way of okay. crashing it that doesn't involve hurting anyone i want that to essentially <laughs> but like what if i do end up hurting some people maybe killing them and and i just and i just get out of the truck put my hands up and say it's okay there would have been fire and rapes Okay, if I hadn't done this. Let's say that then somehow run. the people you crash into are the freaking assholes responsible for the gang rape. <laughs> then I don't mind. <laughs> well, ideally this would be before the gang rape. Death to rapists. Yeah, no, death to rapists. So, no, I know. That's that. That's the, the best part is yeah. you men have prevented the gang rape too because you've killed these people. Whoops. Or maybe just maybe they're just hurt. 
They're, they they got airlifted too. Well, I just got to find I, out a way to get all the guys toward that wall. Yes, lure them, lured the bros. Now now we bring back the Tara Reed trap. <laughs> Maybe the Tara Reed trap, or or we bring something. No, we can't. How do we lure the bros? I was gonna say we could like introduce them to Four Loco, but we don't really have time traveling capabilities yet. Oh my god. Because that would just be, oh man. All You're right. so right. That would be the solution. If only we could send back Four Loco. So here's a kind of um, brainstorming kind of plan. What if we figure out a time traveling technology and bring them Four Loco? Can eh? you talk to eh? Doctor Reese Williams? Stevens. Oh, Stevens. How dare Sorry. you? Sorry. The Sorry. vaunted doctor. Doctor. <laughs> By the way, um, the reason we say his name like that, I don't know if I emphasized it, is because unlike every other doctor, he spells his name, um, he abbreviates doctor by not DR period, but DR question mark, because, quote, I don't got to tell nobody if I'm a doctor or not. And, you know, like, doesn't he have a point? Like, in today's society, anyway. It's not really anyone's goddamn business. Yeah, no, it's not. At all. <laughs> And just, you know, like, stay out of people's business. If they want to call themselves a doctor, you don't need to get in their face about it. Okay, so the plan is we talk to the doctor and we somehow find a way to send back the Four Loco. I'm going to go and sell the Four Loco because I'm a girl. Yes. And that is going to distract the men, the douchey men. Maybe they're going to try to rape me. Hopefully you get there with the car in time. That's that's a risk I'm willing to take for, for the cause. I'll sell the Damn. Four Loco. You drive the car. Damn. All right. Well, this has got to be like a one-shot deal then. Because, man. You better get it right. All right. got to like study traffic patterns too. <laughs> um, Evan, scale of 1 to 10, how good are you at navigating a chopper? Uh, 9. <laughs> okay. All right. He sounded very so, confident. So that's the um, – all right. So we got a uh, producer slash copter pilot Eben on board. And that's cool. Yeah, we we're gonna be able to get out of there really fast. <laughs> okay, Evan. All right. Edit. It's in a visual. <laughs> Edit <Damn>. point. <laughs> All right. But yeah, so basically, here's my final thought. Yes. Hey, 17-year-old self. In August of this year, well, no, I'm sorry, late July, a bunch of people, two people who kind of look like people you might already know are going to show up out of nowhere and probably maybe ask you a few questions. Then you're going to hear about them again in uh, upstate New York as we give people something called Four Loco. Which is something at 36 years old you've never had, and you're very glad about that. So just keep that in mind in the future. If you're ever like hanging out sometime in your mid-20s, and you're like, oh, what's this four loco everyone's going on about? That's how I talk in my mid-20s, by the way. Um, but moreover, I would say 17-year-old self, just look at what's happening at that festival, see how those people are acting, and know that people really do act like that in the real world. Know that, know that that's... A larger symptom of a kind of anger and disgusting, just needlessly primordial part of human nature that still exists, that... We get Nazis now. Yeah, we get Nazis now, dude. <laughs> we have Nazis now. Like, 
like not that like you know sort of like how heavy music is not a cause and correlation thing it's not like woodstock 99 is why we have nazis now but i'm but i'm pretty sure we wouldn't have it? nazis now if woodstock 99 <laughs> had been like it's a symptom of the same just like a Nazi really problem. sweet creed concert with like robbie krieger just like coming out <laughs> well yeah like he did friggin um oh god what's that one? Oh. Oh yeah, um, uh, Roadhouse Blues and just Scott Stapp just putting all of himself into that and being just like the most cartoonish Scott Stapp. I wish so much that I could like communicate the face that I'm making right now, but I want everyone to know I'm horribly offended I by the idea so of much- Scott Stapp singing um roadhouse blues i wish so much that i could do a better scott stapp impression frankly kind of uh, frankly i think we can just be good on roadhouse blues to be honest yeah are we are we not good on that song yet? yeah no yeah. no one cares really... your, your take your take isn't interesting or or unique la i mean like roadhouse <laughs> blues is pretty much like the poor man's la woman anyway oh my god so yeah on that note um <laughs> So yeah, self, uh, do what you can to stop Woodstock 99, but if you don't, we'll probably have a couple more episodes after this to let you know what you can do. I'm Sean, this is Courtney, that's producer Evan. Um, Thanks so much uh, for having me, Sean, as always. With uh, goodbye outro to come. Ooh. Like, I don't know, like a phrase. Like, hey, fucking get out there and do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great Is that a good phrase? Help us, Help us shine, 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 shine.